I think it was a great success. I think that uh, the Americans have done a 180 degree turn. I think uh, Joe Biden deserves high marks for he, what he's done there. And the talking is important. The targets are likewise important. But the world is concerned about climate change. And I think we're moving in that direction. It's all good. Okay, well, thank you all very much. You heard there our international economics correspondent, Barry Wood, also David Roche, President and Global Strategist at Independent Strategy, and Patrick Bennett, Macro Strategist at CIBC World Markets. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. And in those markets right now, uh, the SX200 in Australia up almost 1.5%, and the K225 in Japan down about 0.1%. Cosby in South Korea off a third of a percent. Sadly, the slide in Hong Kong stocks is extending into a seventh consecutive day. Hang Seng Index looks like it's going to open about a third of a percent lower. In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil is off one and a quarter percent this morning at $83.72 a barrel. And gold is also sliding as well. It's down about $5 this morning at $1,783 an ounce. Thank you very much for listening. Plenty to talk about. We'll have an update on the Fed meeting for you tomorrow morning. The decision comes in the early hours of tomorrow morning Hong Kong time. So please do join me for Money Talk at 8 o'clock. Back chats coming up with Jim Gordon and Anna Fenton after the news. The weather forecast for today, one or two light rain patches at first, mainly fine. Maximum temperature about 28 degrees. It's going to be rather warm with one or two rain patches in the next couple of days. The temperature right now, 24 degrees, 76% relative humidity. It's 8.31 and a half. Here's Todd Harding with the half-hour news. The chairman of the Federation of Restaurants, Simon Wong, says he believes many in the trade would support the introduction of mandatory use of the Leave Home Safe app at all premises. Lawmaker Michael Teen said yesterday he understood the government planned to make the app compulsory in restaurants this month as a measure to encourage mainland officials to end border quarantine. Mr Wong said many restaurant owners had taken the blame when customers who didn't use the app left false contact details. But he acknowledged not everyone would be happy. Well, in general, we welcome the idea. But of course, some restaurants might take another approach. Um, they might not want to use the apps as uh, some customers might not be feeling easy uh, to use the apps as they feel that their privacy is being uh, intruded. Meanwhile, the police say they're seeking the creator of a fake version of the Leave Home Safe app that was used by five people attempting to enter Immigration Tower on Monday. They say they've moved to have the fake removed from a website and have warned anyone urging people to use the app that they face trouble. Leave Home Safe is now mandatory at all government buildings. Senior Inspector Wong Cheng Chun explained how people could spot the fake. We observe that the main difference is the background color, the font size, and also the function. Because in the fake application, we found that the users can enter the location to forge a, to forge a physical record. So I think this is the main difference we observe. China's top negotiator at the COP26 climate talks has told reporters in Glasgow that five years have been wasted after the former US President Donald Trump pulled out of the Paris Accords. Xi Jinping also criticised Western countries for failing to make good on a promise of 100 billion US dollars in climate financing by last year. However, there's been more criticism of President Xi Jinping's decision to stay away from the summit from US leader Joe Biden. I think it's been a big mistake, quite frankly, for China, with respect to China, not showing up. The rest of the world is going to look to China and say, what value added are they they providing? 
And they've lost an ability to influence people around the world and all the people here at COP. The same way I would argue with regard to Russia. The British hosts said they had made no provision for leaders to address the summit by live video as they wanted as many as possible to join the discussion in person. You're listening to the news on RTHK. And welcome to Back Chat. Uh, I'm Jim Gould, and your co-host t- today is uh, Anna Fenton. Good morning, Anna. Good morning, everybody. On today's programme, we're talking about uh, hiking safety. The emergency services have said a record high of 401 hiking-related injuries were recorded in the first eight months of this year as people flock to the hills and country parks amid the pandemic, sometimes alone. And the Government Flying Service also received 885 calls for mountain rescues last year, more than twice that of the annual average of 400 from 2016 to 2019. Several hikers have sadly been found dead in the past few weeks while a construction worker is still missing after he left home in Fanling about two weeks ago to go trekking. Also this morning, there's news of a new project which organisers are hoping will make it easier and safer for people to walk between urban centres and the country trails. Get involved. Uh, Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233388266. Uh, joining us uh, this morning, we have uh, here in our studio and broadcasting house, uh, Paul Zimmerman, the CEO of Designing Hong Kong. And Paul is also a Southern District Councillor. And on the line, we have Roland Sharman, the founder of uh, HK Outsider, and also Martin Williams, author of the 25 Best Day Walks uh, in Hong Kong. Um, uh, perhaps, uh, Martin Williams, if, uh, could we start with you? Good morning. Yeah, uh, you, you organise uh, outdoor events. Um, so, w- what are your main safety tips uh, for people uh, when they're going hiking in the countryside? Well, in, in mainly I, I write about it rather than organise a lot. Um, but mostly, it, it takes a lot of water. If I, I think part of it's knowing your, knowing your, knowing your levels, but I, I think that's obviously very difficult. And people are going beyond what what their limits are. I think there's some adventurous types who hike trails. So it's very obvious to say, you know, don't, don't overstretch your limits. But maybe there's some who hike tra- who, who do, do some rather tougher hikes than, uh, than the regular trails. And it looks very appealing. Um, maybe you want Instagram shots. Maybe you just think, wow, you know, I want to be on that cliff. I want a picture of that. And maybe and there can be quite a lot of people going. Yesterday I was looking up towards um, the Dogtooth Ridge on, on Lantau Peak. And I've seen many people climbing up and over that, but at times you see people who really don't look as though they're very experienced in hiking, and yet they're tackling some some really tough routes. And I think that's probably a a lot where the problem lies. So, good morning, Martin. Um, Are we seeing um, a need then for a sort of red, orange, green light uh, situation for these hikes so that people actually know the severity and the danger of the route that they're going to take? Or is there such a, such a thing in existence? There's a hazy thing if you, if you buy the, the, the countryside maps and you can see some dotted lines and on, on trails. You can see the red the trails marked better than main trails. You can see some others marked in orange that are less used and, and sections that are tougher. But even, even, even that wouldn't work. And, and 
like Dogtooth Ridge. There are pretty big signs put up at the beginning sections of it by the AFCD that says, warning, steep trail, I do not attempt this. And uh, But clearly a lot of people, you just walk around the side and, and off you go. And they're very well-worn trails now. So a lot of people clearly are, are making it without falling off or without getting in trouble. But at, but at times people do have serious things. And one day, yeah, we even saw round another side of Lantau Peak and there were people going up a scramble that took them up, up a ravine with boulders. Apparently there's a small cave that people like to get photos in. And they didn't look like they should be tackling it. A lot of the people that we saw going that way. And a helicopter was flying over with with a loudspeaker playing a message about, you know, don't don't hike really dangerous trails. But there's still a lot of people doing it. It's 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 a really tough problem, I think. Okay. Uh, well, also with us is Roland Sharman, the founder of uh, HK Outsider. Good morning to you. Good morning. Now, you, yours uh, described itself as a community of outdoor enthusiasts. Uh, uh, you uh, organise uh, day and night off-trail hikes, co-steering, yeah. stream trekking. Um, I mean, that's obviously a lot more and a lot more challenging than just uh, hiking. So what are your safety priorities? Um Firstly, I've got to wholeheartedly support what's just been said. I agree totally in all the things you've been talking about, all the places we go. Um, and it is a problem with people that are inexperienced and it's hard to gauge as they search for the, the perfect IT moments, etc. Um, I would always suggest and recommend that people go with a professional guide or someone that has a good amount of experience. Certainly never on your own. Certainly always prepare and understand the weather patterns. We go from coastlines to up in the mountains, and there's so many so many weather parameters that you have to consider. Um, be prepared, have first aid. Hydration was a massive issue this summer, as we saw record um, temperature highs. People don't understand what I call, and what everyone calls, frankly, that their sweat rate, how much they sweat per hour, which is something that can easily be measured if you do the do the work and well, what's the typical sweat rate for us who do, those who don't know um, the sweat rate would be the, the average is 0.8 liters to 1.4 liters an hour an hour okay. and, i do and, at yeah. least two liters an hour how, so everyone how, is how, very different yeah. depending on their fitness their body physique all these sort of things and how do you and measure how do you, how do you measure sweat rate then um typically you sort of you know you you weigh yourself prior to a workout of some kind, making sure your body is evacuated in every way possible, if you know what I mean. Um, and and you, uh, you weigh, obviously, water. One litre of water is approximately one kilo. So you understand what you're drinking, and you just weigh before and after. Mm. And, and, and you can work out what your sweat rate is. Mm. Mm. Oh, another thing is, yeah, see how much... Do, do some regular hiking and, and then start to appreciate it and... Uh, and then you get an idea how much. I mean, I often, yesterday I took three litres with me just for an afternoon hike of some ups and downs. I'm pretty good at sweating, it turns out. But, uh, but yeah, I've seen people clutching a really small bottle of water they must have grabbed out of a, a, a convenience store. And they're going up, say, Sunset Peak on a hot afternoon. And I think these people are going to start to suffer a bit because they, they don't really appreciate this. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, okay, well, we'll also have with us uh, Paul Zimmerman, CEO of Designing Hong Kong. And, uh, Paul, you're involved in the launch of a new project yesterday, weren't you, uh, to, to do with getting from the urban areas out to the country, countryside uh, you know, in a safe 
fashion because sometimes you've got to cross main roads and what have you. Yeah, do you want to tell us more about that? Yeah, city to trail. I mean, we, there are uh, hikes that people do or, uh, that uh, are old ones, and uh, when then the government came around and built the road or they uh, they fixed the slope, then the connection between that uh, that trail and the and the road may have disappeared, and then people have to climb over a fence. So um, and that's that's as one example. There are other examples, uh, and I think the. Uh, the incident that we had this weekend where the lady crossing the road uh, between um, uh, uh, stage uh, seven and eight of the Hong Kong Trail at uh, crossing the road at Shaco um, got smacked. it. Um, see, uh, that, that's a very dangerous crossing and there is no, there's hardly any waiting area. Uh, on either side of the road, uh, the footpaths they end there because there is a uh, there's an underground uh, drain uh, with an old uh, kind of bridge structure that doesn't have a footpath. So in you get a complicated situation and the bus stops there and so on. So that needs to be fixed. Um, the the connection between Tai Tam Country Park and Sheko Country Park basically is is you know there's two very popular. Uh, uh, hiking routes in, in, in on both sides and then but to connect between the two you got to walk through Titan Gap and there is no footpath there for a section and it could be built and it's not that difficult but how do we get people convinced that they should do that so we can we can go on there is a there's a long list and there are different reasons why um, uh, we got to really look at how to improve the connection between the trails which are usually maintained by the country park authority which is the AFCD and the city and that that in between area are areas of land that might be with the lens department, might be with the highways department, it might be the home affairs department has to look after it. So we, what we need to do is, is document those links um, that need some improvements and then we can uh, look at them. Uh, we have to be careful what we propose to government because uh, they may just pour a lot of concrete and then they get a lot of people upset because they have a lot more concrete. So we have to be careful how it's been positioned. So we have a, a judging panel that will look at all the proposals in January, February, before we make the uh, the report to government uh, proposing all these links to be fixed. And that could be uh, trailheads, uh, placing signage, uh, taking away a piece of fence and putting a little entry staircase onto the trail just at the slope or road that was fixed or it could be just these really um, simple things that need to be done at the start and the end of the trails using the trails somewhere along the route they are as they are or you don't want to touch them uh, and i think then to come back to a much earlier discussion this morning is uh, on information that is available for people to make the right choices where they go hiking. Um, and I, I think this is important uh, to happen, but there is, there is um, the people that would do that are, are deeply concerned about it. The, if we think about the AFCD, AFCD is worried about saying that a trail is adventurous because it might then attract more people. So they're very they, they they're worried about doing is uh, great uh, rating and then uh, grading these these uh, uh, or grading and rating these 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 tracks, um, and equally so some of the app providers are uh, worried about doing that because liability issues that something happens on the trail. So well, I'm dependent on the information that you provided in your app. So uh, both on the private sector and the government sector, there is a hesitancy to to do this. But I think it's very important for Hong Kong to to get to the point that we've more. Uh, 
clear about what the dangers are. Uh, Ducktooth Ridge is not for your regular hiker. This, this is on Lantau Peak. This is on, this is on Lantau Peak. Leading up to Lantau Peak. Absolutely yeah. not for your regular hiker. I've hiked it. Um, there's some very challenging bits in there. You go like, oops, and that's very steep down, and how do I get around yeah. the rock? On both sides. Uh, yeah, so, and, and people, and, and we're all uh, the, the, the cheery about it, but it is a fantastic route, and there's fantastic vistas and, and uh, great forests below in the ravines. But um, people have to understand the, the, the level of the challenge that is involved, and I don't think that that information is that clear. Mm -hmm. Mm. Um, uh, Roland, uh, uh, the people that uh, uh, join your organisation, um, what's their sort of level of experience generally? I mean, are, are they already familiar with hiking and just want sort of a, you know, a further challenge, or, or do you get beginners coming along thinking, oh, you know, I like the idea of, a, of hiking up that stream? Or mm. indeed, well, yes, they, they see the website or the Instagram account, and they all want to have, they all want to look like rock stars, for lack of a better word. Um, but yes, we do take beginners, but I wouldn't take any beginners on a West Dog Teeth route or anything like that. What we always do is introduce them or try and do is introduce them to a night hike, which was Hong Kong based in and around popular um, sort of government rated trails. And we go slightly off piste and do a little bit of basic scrambling and, and help them uh, with their skills. And when they've come out a few times, then they're, you know, they're invited to join. Now, yes, you can book our activities online, but we closely monitor who it is. And if we don't know them, we have a conversation with them to try and understand their experience. Or we ask them to come do a, a free night hike with, with us uh, so we can get to see their abilities. And they slowly work through the system and, and do more and more advanced uh, trails or activities within, uh, within, within our organisation. So what would be um, red flags for health concerns for people that would make you say, no, I really don't think you should be coming out with us? Fitness is a clear one um, if they have difficulty. As I said, the night hikes are not particularly physical. Um, you know, there's elements of technicality to it, and we, and we offer sort of alternatives. So you can try something. The exposure is not too much. When I talk about exposure, I mean vertical exposure, where if you fall, it could be fatal. So we don't have these sort of situations, just little, little areas where we, can, where we can go. So we're always monitoring fitness and ability, um, you know, we often, uh, myself and a few other uh, organizations around, we can sort of tell when we're chatting to people, meeting with people, watching their behavior um, before we even start. And you can kind of see, you know, I come from a, a diving background as a teacher, and, and, and we're often you know, sort of asked to engage and check with questions, be personable, and see what kind of feedback, see what behavior comes out. And you can see if anyone's sort of apprehensive, or even a little bit too cocky, is <laughs> it, it can be an issue as well. They 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 have a, a certain disregard for the risk. Mm. So you're looking at behavioural situations. You're looking at um, you're looking at um, fitness levels and just general ability. Um, it's it's hard to put a number on it. You know, in terms of a, a red flag, it's just a combination of all things in their behaviour. Okay. Okay. Um, right. We've got a caller on the line, Guy. Uh, hello. Hello, yeah, Guy yeah, here. Yeah, please go ahead. Hong Kong Boulder Trackways website. Um, yeah. Paul and uh, Martin both know me. I'm good to hear three gentlemen speaking a lot of common sense on this program. So, Guy, just tell us a little bit about your website for those who aren't familiar with it. Oh, well, it's been in existence for a very long time. I've been trying to persuade the government to uh, uh, accept that Hong Kong has an ancient system 
of roadways called boulder trackways right. and stone bridges and um, uh, way markers. Um, I wanted to see them marked on the maps, way marked on the ground, and accorded, uh, if not monument status, certain, certainly uh, grade, grade uh, three status as uh, Hong Kong's oldest built uh, infrastructure. But I'm not, I'm not on talking about that. Um, I welcome what Paul and James Ockenden have started in respect of connectivity. A hugely good example of connectivity between country parks um, is Singapore. Um, I'm sure uh, Paul will concur with that, and that's a, a good example to follow. Um, I, I'm curious to know why the Assistant Director of Agriculture for Country Parks is not on this program. He would um, be able to provide very relevant answers, I'm quite sure. Mm -hmm. The other point I'd like to make is it's, I always see groups of hikers going up past my house in Sai Kong. Most of them are overdressed. They're wearing far too much clothing. They're worrying about uh, getting sunburnt, but they are heating themselves up far too much. Most hikers go out in shorts and light clothing. They make sure they wear a hat, especially one that is a soft, wide-brimmed wide jungle hat that they can soak in mountain streams to help keep themselves cool. But uh, so many people are overdressed. But Guy, 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 I think you're missing the point. This is a fashion statement. Where I live on Lantau, I am blinded by lemon, lime and orange lycra in various bodies and, and very tight black leggings um, going past me every morning in packs. And they don't That's look right. like they have a clue where they're going, um, except right. they're all but taking pictures of each other. Well, that's it. That might look pretty, but it's not uh, practical. Mm. Okay, it's just I, I love uh, just being terrified of the sun, or yeah. terrified of mosquitoes, or terrified of all sorts. So they want to go outside, and yet they're kind of the idea that the sunshine and various other things are really dodgy out there. Mm -hmm. Just, just on the issue of government officials. I mean, we do always try to invite. Uh, uh, government people on. Um, sometimes we get lucky. Um, sometimes they're not available. But uh, but, but it's a but difficult one for this one. I mean, if you would invite Jackie Yip, who's the head of the country parks uh, at the AFCD, um, her responsibility is the areas of the country parks, and those are very well managed. Mm -hmm. And uh, and a lot of detail is given to uh, signage, uh, to uh, the quality of the trails, to where people <coughs> hike, where people don't hike, and uh, such. Well done. But w th most of the hikes that people do in Hong Kong are not just in the country parks. Uh, you, you need to connect between the city and the country park and you go to an area of no man's land in terms of government responsibility. And this is where the system falls apart. Now, AFCD is not responsible for all hiking in Hong Kong. And so then the question is, who is? Uh, ideally, uh, the Home Affairs Department would take that responsibility and take leadership uh, into <laughs> all hiking issues. But Home Affairs Department currently is not that focused on that issue. They're more focused on uh, the, the how they work or not work with the district councillors. Um, so, so we need to find somebody within government that is going to get excited about this and then wants to take a leadership position. Well, that's quite correct, Paul. But um, somebody in government most, most concerned with hiking is the AFCD and it is perhaps incumbent on them 
for shake up the other government departments and saying, excuse me, but we have people hiking on our trails. They can't get from point A to point B. Highways department, lands, uh, planning, home affairs department, everyone else needs to help out, but they won't do it. I'm no, afraid. no, but that's a general the, issue within government. The environment in, now is even worse than it used to be. Yeah, I know, but you've worked in government as a, you know, you were with the police. So the, the, the I mean, you cannot, as a, a government... Long I know we're both aging, but the um, the issue really is that the government departments won't won't put fingers at each other, and they will not shift responsibility to each other. There's this kind of a polite attitude about that, and that that is that is a concern in this particular one. So we need to go higher up and try to get an excitement about how fantastic hiking is in Hong Kong and how we can improve it, and then find yep. a person or a department that's going to take leadership beyond AFCD. Agreed. Okay, uh, l let me ask Martin Williams. Um, you uh, published this book, uh, you wrote this book, uh, The 25 Best Day Walks uh, in Hong Kong. Um, would you... Uh, well, I, I mean, Okay, I mean, there, there are different, uh, you know, requirements and uh, different things that uh, people want to do, different levels of adventure and difficulty. Um, um, I know that, for instance, like, uh, like Roland Charman's uh, group uh, are, are very careful about uh, safety and organisation and things like that, but would you, Martin Williams, uh, advise sort of ordinary hikers to keep to the main trails until they've got more experience, you know, rather than sort of go off bushwhacking on the on the lesser used trails. Well, yeah, I think that's a really, really basic mm. thing. And even on some of the main trails, don't don't suddenly go rushing up, even Sunset Lantau Peak from from especially from sea level or wherever. Just g give yourself a go. Try out some of the the the, 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 the easier trails and work into it if you're going to, going to get started. It seems, you know, we know before with SARS, a lot of people hit, they hit the country parks. Now with COVID, there's a lot of, lot of people going out. Some of the places are extremely busy. And, and clearly people want, want something else. But there can be alternatives. Yesterday we were in southwest Lantau, which I think is a beautiful area, but the trails are not especially tough, and they're, they're, they're good trails. And, mm -hmm. and you can you can do these kind of hikes that are a little bit away from where people are and still get nice photos, good memories, a good experience. And yet, then, yeah, if you feel that you can build up and start these stream scrambling exercises, go up waterfalls, go into ravines. But I think you know that, that's a huge jump up, really. That's quantum levels, you know, in a way, in hiking ability and and, and whatnot. And I think as well, if you can go out singly, Roland mentioned this about not singly, but it's much better. I mean, I've done a lot of hiking by myself, and it's better to be on a trail where someone's going to walk by if you fall over and twist your ankle, mm -hmm. not something that's really, really over-challenging, over mm -hmm. and, and where, there's, where there's nobody around for maybe several days. So there's several things to consider, but there's, not, there's an awful lot of wonderful things that can be done. And also... Like the initiative Paul's doing, if you open up a few more trails, and I think AFCD could be looking at this now, there's such intensive use of, the, of some of the trails, that to do some alternatives around the side, which is difficult, and it's happening a bit like Chima Wan, but, um, and that's just separating cyclists from hikers mainly, um, is, is, is to uh, introduce us to some new trails but with, with some good views, and that might take a bit more from higher in government, yeah, to just recognise but I don't think we'll get that, as Paul said. A lot of government doesn't 
well, the, the, the regular things in Hong Kong are, are, are not too much of the focus right now. Martin, you, you, you're very familiar with all of the areas that people hike. I think a lot of people think that if they bring their mobile phone with them, charged or not, that they'll be okay and that they can always contact the emergency services. Can you just highlight a few key areas uh, to show how common it is that you can be out of phone range? I don't know. I don't always check enough, but I know before I've been on even a beach on South Chung Chow. I live on Chung Chow, and one where I'd go and the signal might switch to China. So some, some of the sections, and, and certainly deep in a ravine, the, the guy that, that got lost and, and, and was found dead in the ravine above, above Tong Chung, I think he was probably in a, a, a mobile-free area. So, yeah, you, sh you shouldn't really be relying on that. And years ago, I mean, there was some hikers who just felt a bit tired, so they phoned up to get a helicopter so people can think that there's the emergency service are out there ready to rescue them. And that's pretty irresponsible, really. Um, you, you should be looking to try and make sure that you can get yourself home. And a friend I was out hiking with yesterday, he bashed his foot on one on one hike, really, really had to have a pin in it. He, he, he walked back home, which surprised me, but uh, okay. walked back to the car and got to hospital. Yeah, we, we should also mention as well as a, a, another golden rule is, uh, if, especially if you're going out on your own, always tell somebody where you're going, right? Yeah, I think that's always a good one, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, all right, we, we've got to take a, a short break uh, for the news. Uh, we, I think we still have uh, Guy Shira on the phone. I, I ho hope you can hang on. We'll be back at three minutes past. Uh, we've got to say cheerio to Martin Williams, because I know you're only with us till nine. Thanks a lot for joining us. Um, right, um, uh, okay, uh, quick look at the weather. Um, it's going to be mainly fine today uh, with a, a top temperature of about uh, 28 degrees, moderate easterly winds, fresh offshore at first the outlook uh, rather warm with one or two rain patches in the next couple of days winds will strengthen from the north later on sunday with temperatures falling appreciably uh, becoming cool early next week uh, currently is 25 degrees and the humidity is at 77 percent news on rthk And welcome back to Bat Chat uh, with Anna Fenton and me, Jim Gould. And this morning uh, we're talking about uh, hiking safety. And we have uh, with us uh, in our studio here uh, Paul Zimmerman, CEO of Designing Hong Kong and a Southern District Councillor. And also uh, with us we have uh, Roland Sharman, who's founder of uh, HK Outsider. And um, also on the line, uh, caller. Uh, Guy Shearer, who's uh, still with us. Um, yeah, uh, I think, uh, Guy, you were wanting to make some point before nine o'clock. Yes, I heard Martin talk about opening new trails, and that's another sore point, I'm afraid. Um, I have at least three uh, old boulder trackway routes in Saikung, I could mention, that uh, unfortunately AFCD declined to support reopening, but they are totally viable. One of them is the old route from uh, Saikong, uh, sorry, um, Kowloon Wall City, all the way over via Customs Pass to Saikong. There's a section from Tainan Wu down the valley to Ho Chong, perfectly viable, uh, but uh, and we spent um, two seasons with volunteers from all over Hong Kong, hikers, distance runners, clearing that uh, with the Friends of Saikong. Um, another one, uh, two more in Saikong as well. 
and, and they are very viable and very interesting routes, but uh, AFCD claim they don't have the resources to open them. But there's no will, really, I'm afraid. But are those, are those trails being used currently? Um, are people hiking them already? Because there's many, well, many trails in Hong Kong, and people just, well, you know, they're not officially trails, people but do. people use them. You know, them. That when, you, when you open a, a trail, you clear it, and then you, uh, the following week you see some ribbon, you know that people are using them. Um, um, but one of them that I suspect there are some vested interests at play uh, with a householder halfway down who doesn't like the idea of people walking past his house. But maybe that's my old um, professional suspicion. Just, just, just be clear, the, the, the Boulder Trackways, these are, these are the ancient uh, paths that were built uh, before there was motorised traffic um, linking various parts of the territory, right? Uh, that's correct, yes. So, so, yeah, they so. go back well before the, the British arrived in Hong Kong, mm. the ancient uh, road system in mm. Hong Kong. So, um, which, are, which are very so nice I, to walk Yeah, on, I was going to say, but yeah. can I find them? Are the strings along them then? Uh, are, are they stringed up? Are people hiking them regularly? Occasionally, yes, it depends. I mean, but after Typhoon Mangut, I'm afraid all our uh, work was undone and uh, trees have fallen across the roots, etc. Um, the third uh, gentleman in your studio, the one, the, uh, I've forgotten his Roland name. Ro Roland Sharman. Roland Sharman. Maybe his organization would be interested in uh, seeing these particular routes and, uh, and thinking about opening them up. Do you, yeah, do, R R Roland Sharman, do you, do you, uh, are you into uh, discovering new routes? I'm all about discovering mm. new routes. Mm. <laughs> yeah. mm. But, um, I think you know I, I, I agree. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll put you in touch. <laughs> yeah. happy, to, happy, happy to discuss. Yeah. There's certainly a lot okay. of routes out there that could be more official, um, but uh, agree. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. okay. Um, Bye-bye now. Uh, okay, thanks. Um, email here from uh, Tim says, uh, Dear Backchat, uh, I was at Sheffield University in the early 1980s and Sheffield City had a system of signage uh, right from the centre of town through green spaces and formal parks called the Green Chain Walk. And if you followed their signs, you were directed to safe places to cross roads and eventually ended up being able to walk right uh, way out from the city centre to the Peak District National Park. I can strongly recommend this as a great example for Hong Kong and uh, and comment and uh, the and commend uh, the work of Paul Zimmerman how about that Paul I, I would love to yeah. Uh, yeah follow up on that one that uh, sounds like a, a, a great thing uh, we just and, and then it's going to be then who do we get excited about within government but uh, I, I think it would be fantastic that uh, the information about trails has to start at the bus stop or at the MTR station with, because that's where people are. And it's not just the information. It would also be when you come back from a mountain, where do you drop your your, your leftovers from food rubbish. and eating and your rubbish so that you don't have to carry it along on the train because the people don't want to carry it along. But then you're outside the country park. You're not in a train station. That Who manages that point? Mm. Uh, and that connection points we start to have to start to recognize and, and, and formalize. Mm. On that point, um, Paul, um, I see a lot of people setting off in their Lycra outfits uh, wearing masks on the trail. And then I see a lot of their masks discarded along the trail. Are you seeing a lot of that? Yeah, that's been, been a problem since the start of COVID. And it's, it's, it's incredibly unfortunate that, uh, you know, people may not realise that the masks are as, uh, um, as, as contaminating to nature as a, as a plastic water bottle. But... Um, yeah, it's, it's something that's happening and, and people may forget that they have them stuck around their arm and then they get 
pushed off by a branch or, or something like that and people don't keep them in the right place um and so I'm, I'm i don't wear a mask i wear bandanas and i use that as a mask and so they, they you put them down to your neck or you put them over your head when there is a, so you avoid sunburning um so i i would recommend people that go hiking to use bandanas rather than uh, uh than uh, the uh, the mask that you have to take on and off I'd like to ask you as well, because you, you, you've been closely involved in this uh, idea of uh, promoting a, a round Hong Kong Island trail, mm. right? What, what stage are we at now with that? Well, we're doing pretty good. Um, the, uh, the, my, the last remaining obstacle is the Museum of Coastal Defence uh, connecting Heng Fatsun and Shao Kei Wan. Everything else is pretty much on the road or, uh, you know, it's, it's getting somewhere. There's, there is a, a government department that can fix something and, and we, it's, it's being negotiated. But the Museum of Coastal Defence is my last problem. The problem is the LCSD. They got the museum in there. There's a, the area is much larger. Um, and to have people walk through there is, is the, uh, the large main obstacle. Once we get that fixed, um, then we've got a massive 65-kilometre uh, hike uh, ready for, as was suggested earlier by the, uh, the person who wrote in, um, for signage. 65 k's and uh, uh, how much of that is on footpaths and how much of that is walking along oh road? i don't have the statistics in my head about how much is trails and trails and footpaths along roads but i would and, and promenades like that i've been done, uh, already done by government but yeah there is there is it's a complete mixture of that so at, at a tight time area of course it's all the trails um if it's hong kong island north shore then it's uh, then it's all promenades the um if it's tin one then it's a footpath back in in aberdeen you're back along a promenade so it, it's it continues to change which is exactly the fun of this whole trail uh, because you go through absolute nature, and but you also go to an industrial Taiwan area mm. or Tinwan area. So uh, lots of really beautiful sights and interesting moments along it from the statues at uh, Wa Kwai um, and, um, and uh, the, uh, the, the, the temple at uh, Repulse Bay. I mean, there is, there's, there's constantly changing moments and, and, and uh, sights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, it's, it sounds uh, really interesting. I mean, can it all be done safely? I mean, be, you know, if certain parts of it are on roads, I mean, uh, it's not so nice to have to walk right next to the traffic, is it? I mean, you know, it's obviously much better to if there's a sidewalk there, but that's, you know, that's not always the case, is it? The the sidewalks are ev- everywhere. Is we find everywhere. Um, the 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 missing. The missing sidewalk um, would be at Cape Dagala Road between uh, Shaka Road and Cape Dagala. This mm-hmm. where you then go down to uh, uh, to the main beach of Shaka. Uh, there is a section of, but unfortunately that road is not that busy. Uh, you just have to watch out for for the bus basically and make sure you're you're seen. Mm-hmm. So and then so then the violently coloured lycra suits. Uh, ha- have an advantage. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and, and when this is all complete, is it's all going to be signposted and officially promoted? Well, that's what we are. That's what we're suggesting to uh, the various government departments that this will happen. Uh, but again, it is t- to find uh, a department to take responsibility for the entire project is is very difficult. So for right now, we're stitching together by just going through all the different departments and asking them to, to do all their uh, 
contributions individually in the set. One major obstacle right now is the LCSD at uh, at, at uh, the Museum of Coastal Defense. That is the one where, unfortunately and completely unnecessarily, uh, the LCSD is, is is an obstacle because they believe that it's a museum with only one entrance and you cannot have two entrances and you can So it gets all really really awkward that conversation. Um, but anyway, we keep pushing. Mm-hmm. There is people can walk it right now. I must say they can walk it, but you have to walk a section uh, at the off ramp or the on ramp of the uh, of the highway at uh, at Shao K One, uh, which uh, which says don't walk here. So um, that's uh, that's okay. not okay. yet fixed. Okay, okay. Well, I've got some more emails here. Uh, some of them came well. A lot of these are relating to uh, yesterday's topic. Uh, uh, they came in a bit late, so I didn't get time to read them yesterday. Uh, yesterday we were talking about road safety, um, which is kind of r- related to today's discussion mm. as well. So, uh, so I'll just uh, read a few of these. Um, David writes, uh, to have uh, cycling proficiency taught at schools for seven-year-olds will uh, better uh, benefit, be a better benefit for car drivers later on when they start driving. Um, Neil writes um, in response to uh, what James Ockenden uh, was uh, saying on yesterday's programme about road safety. Um, Yesterday, James Ockenden said that annually there were about 50 to 60 fatal traffic collisions. In fact, over the past 10 years, the average is about 112 per year. He further stated the speed limit on Bridespool Road is 70 kilometres an hour. Drive at 70 on Bridespool Road and expect to get a speeding ticket as the limit is 50. Ockenden further complained that the police had a blinkered view against cyclists. Let's look at the data in 2020. Injury traffic collisions involving cars were down by 4%, taxis down by 20%. In fact, all classes of vehicles involved in injury collisions were down, apart from motorcycles up 12% and bicycles up 60%. Keep in mind the police force is carrying 5,000 vacancies, as reported in the SCMP in March 2021. I'm not sure where the surplus police manpower Ockenden mentions can be found, especially not in the traffic police, which have been understaffed for many years. And there's a link to an SCMP article there. Um, Neil says, uh, these figures do indicate a police force that is becoming more effective and efficient, taking enforcement action against traffic offences. Less manpower, greater productivity, roads safety needs to be championed but let's get the data correct um i agree with that i think that's a good point because we need more support for the increase in cycling Mm -hmm. uh you need more support for the uh for the the fact that people go go more hiking so we need to recognize that what the community demands is changing and that we need to support that um so that's that's probably where the effort should be made Mm-hmm. And, and we have some real, you know, current problems with this <clears throat> on Lantau, for example, the South Lantau Road, which was never designed to be a road at all, is now completely mired with um, huge buses, now with double-deckers, which is an improvement for the bus packs, but we're now seeing whole families coming out on bicycles, creating mayhem, uh, and it's just completely accidents waiting to happen. 
Yeah, so then the, the issue is then to what extent are you going to build cycling tra uh, tracks? And uh, cycling tracks are very involved because you cannot have a steep gradient. So the moment you, it's very unlike hiking trails. Hiking trails, you can have steps down and steps up mm. and so on um, quite easily. Uh, you can have elevation changes without having a lot of impact on the nature. But with cycling tracks and trails, uh, you'll have to, um, you have a much greater impact. You need a lot of more concrete and it's going to have a, a greater impact as a bigger foot print when it comes into the nature area so you have to be um, conscious of that but I, I think to Hong Kong and uh, to embrace cycling um, you know I'm, I'm from Holland so we grew up cycling when I was very young five years old you're on your bicycle going to school with all your mates as well pedaling along the road but everybody on the road has is a cyclist themselves whether they bus driver a truck driver a car driver so so you have that recognition we don't have that in Hong Kong and we got to be conscious uh, conscious of that but but cycling is on the increase and people want to be more active and this is covid times and it's not going to go away for a while we're all locked up in this beautiful prison um and so we're all going to be out there doing things and being active uh, so let's do to do it sensible and let's get support from government for those activities yeah, yeah, that's a nice way of putting it uh, okay another email here from charles says uh, dear back chat i've been walking the db that's discovery bay to moy war trail mm. on and off for 30 years uh, this has become a very popular the trail a year or so ago uh, this substantial path uh, both built and maintained by the government was taken over by presumably the villagers they have blocked the path built accommodation onto the path and forced hikers to walk on a tidal beach as the only option this is of course among other things dangerous this sets a dangerous precedent and may take ad uh, advantage of this uh, lack of management by the relevant government departments and affirmative action must be taken uh, uh, can from I just, charlie can uh, I just uh, uh, yeah uh, he's, he's he's actually Charlie's actually talking about the, the coastal route from DB that goes past the Trappist Monastery to Moorwall. Yes. Yeah, yeah mm. uh, there's a little bit more to that story than that, so I wouldn't want anyone to think it's that simple. Oh, you're going to tell us more? No. Okay, okay. okay. Uh, but, but, but um, um, well, let's, let's, let's ask... Uh, um, yeah, um, yeah, Paul, do you find that much of a problem, uh, you know, hiking trails being, being like, blocked by local interests? Well, we have to, we have we have these challenges that hiking trails are being blocked off by the villagers, and uh, we've seen it in Dalong, Saiwan, and these is usually land disputes, or that these villagers try to make an effort to, to get some compensation and otherwise or building rights from government, and then they'll they do nasty things like blocking off the, the, the these these footpaths. But these paths have been there for for many many years, and then that right of passage has been has been well established, the easement right. So um, there is no way they they can do this legally. Um, and government could take injunctions out of people when they do that. The question is that, and of course, they, they soft, uh, they're peddling this softly because they want to be nice to them and, and try to negotiate, and then it takes a bit of time. But we've seen the efforts throughout Hong Kong by the villages, and we just have to constantly stand against this. This particular track between Moiwo and um, um, Discovery Bay, I mean, I, I, uh, yes, the people have to work themselves around some of the houses there as people, as people build these houses.
Um, it's a lens department issue that they have to take control action over the, the squatters because most of them are, are unauthorized structures and the lens department kind of just take, take action on that. And people just kind of lodge the complaints, send in the photographs and lodge the complaints and, and force them to do it. Uh, ideally, the uh, Home Affairs Department that looks after the island um, takes takes control over this, but we don't see, them, see that d- d- happening. Uh, so there is not a positive action in terms of maintaining the trail to a certain standard. It's, it's about lens department stopping people to do un- unauthorized extensions mm-hmm. to their to their structures, which is a negative action. Um, so yeah, again, leadership in coming up in, in defending and creating our, our, our trails, make sure people can enjoy our city walking and cycling. That is where, the, the, where we have a gap. Roland Sharman, have you encountered this as well? extent to be honest on occasion but uh, you know you know we 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 tend to be mostly off trail in any case so Mm. there are some odd villages we go through but more often than not they're abandoned villages um so no so no i haven't really got a regular whereabouts in hong kong do you and your you you Um, and your friends mostly go to it's 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 you know everywhere and, and often just off major trails um, you know, from Sai Kung, Ma and Shan, Lantau are, are the three key areas. Um, you know, and as I said, we're, we're never far because for access, and, and, you know, and exiting, we, we, we're using major trails um, that most people are on. And then we just duck off the side or, you know, around the corner or, or what have you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm not very fond. I mean, this is the problem, actually. There's a lot of online resources to discover these kinds of trails, and they've become very popular. Like, I won't mention any. Um, I know a lot of the operators of some of these things. For example, on, we don't publicize any routes whatsoever. Even on Instagram, I will not tell people where I'm at. And people will ask, oh, where's that? Because they want to go and take the photo. And we won't do that for safety reasons. Um, but it's... Um, it's going to be very hard to manage the safety on the trails, no matter if the government's involved or not, because people are always going to uh, seek out something more, especially in this COVID environment. Um, you know, what we're trying to do now is work on creating a, a proper safety guideline as to how to operate in these trails if you go. But we will always suggest you go with someone with, a, with significant experience or guided. And it's, it's things that are unique to Hong Kong. For example, people... You know, they might be slightly off trail and they're holding on to a rock or maybe a very big set boulder, but they don't understand that due to the, the monsoon seasons and the, and the soil erosion in Hong Kong, as we all know, it's a significant part of Hong Kong, you know, the rock is just going to fall out on you. They'll lean back, you know, take a vote of themselves and the rock will fall out and they, they end up falling down. You know, it doesn't have to be that far to hit your head and then you're in serious trouble. Um, well, so, really? Are we turning into the nanny state? Do, do we think that people should really, you know, have their eyes and their ears wide open when they go out into the countryside? I think they need to be aware, yes. I mean, I'm, just, I'm not, I'm not going to offend anybody. But, uh, but I think if, you're, if you want to challenge yourself in this environment, you should be skilled and understand and do the research. That's why I think, you know, for example, if you go on a lot of these other trails, you see a lot of ropes that are being set. You sometimes, we were talking about West Dog's Teeth earlier, there's a section between Middle Dog's Teeth and West Dog's Teeth. This is on Lantau. This is on Lantau, correct, where, you know, there's a slightly balancey area. And I've I've seen people, they've actually put in chains and bolts. And people will come through thinking, oh, maybe the government's done that. That looks secure. Absolutely not. You don't know the quality of it. If you're climbing up a rope, you don't see where it's anchored, whether it's worn or tied properly. So 
we always say, do not touch any of things. If you can't negotiate that terrain with your own ability, you should not be there. Because it just takes you to commit some weight and you fall. And in that situation, people have died in that area. Um, and this is, I think, maybe we need to educate people a bit more by putting these more unique sort of safety, safety guidelines um, out there. So, so, so people are aware, you know, don't grab a rock and lean on it because it will fall out on you. Yeah. Climbing waterfalls, the, the, the erosion, coastlines, the salt air creates very brittle rock. Um, and it just snaps off in your fingers. These are all the things we talk about in our safety briefings. Sam, so there's an interesting thing is, is, is what is a trail and when, when are you off trail? Because many of the off trails because of COVID have become trails that people would think that it's a normal trail to hike because Indeed. everybody talks about it, but actually it's an off trail. It's not, it's, it's a challenging route that people are forging because they're looking for more challenging environments. So I guess recognizing the quality of the trail and whether you're talking about something that is well guarded or well-developed and well-maintained and looked after by, by a government department and it's safe and or whether it's an off-trail, it's a trail that's not maintained by anybody but it's maintained by anybody that just basically walks by it and they trample the grass and therefore the trail has been formed. So we, we need to get that understanding clearly that when you're on and off. The dog tooth is so popular in terms of Instagrams but it is an off-trail. Yeah. So, Paul, you're, you're up there paragliding around a lot at the weekends. You must see some interesting sights, uh, hikers and other things going on. What do you see when you're up there flying around? Well, we can see where the, the hikers gather, uh, the, the, the viewpoints that they love to explore, um, because they, they, you see the gaggles of, 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 of hikers uh, clustered together. Um, you see, you see people going off, um, off, uh, off piste or off trails. Uh, you can, you can, you can spot them. Uh, but we also, uh, deal with emergency services where, uh, we get notified by the heli services that they have to get in and that we have to land and clear the air so that the heli services can come in and rescue somebody uh, that has fallen or, or, or hurt themselves so or, or otherwise hurt themselves so uh, yeah we see a lot what happens in the mountains and um, yeah the recommendation really is for people to better understand their own abilities before they go out we got fantastic nature in Hong Kong um, and it's uh, you know it appears to be accessible because we're all now hiking um, but we have to understand that it's raw nature it is a real raw nature and you can be fine if you're going to go off the trails um, you find yourself beyond your abilities very 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 quickly um, and uh, just go bushwhacking is is deadly in hong kong especially in the summer months so don't do it uh, don't go bushwhacking and if you're going to go co-steering you know find an organization like roland's and 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 ask them to help you and, and, and pay some money to be guided and get the right support um so I, I, i'm not against any adventurous hiking at all uh, this uh, this weekend i was up bouldering a rock stream but then you're going to go with four people who are very well trained in doing that and uh, you help each other and you're you're going as a group you don't do that on your own um so you, you've got to be organized and you've got to know what you're doing and stick to your limits. And it's okay. important to remember, isn't it, that that search and rescue helicopter isn't free and yeah. that it costs um, yeah. around $1,500 yeah. a minute just to keep it up there. And that's not counting the staff costs. And there's not too many of them. So you can't just assume, I think, that the government will save you no matter what. Well, in ski resorts, you have to pay for it. Um, and the question is in Hong Kong whether there should be a situation where you're going to be charged for it. There's somehow there is some kind of a... 
a mechanism to to kind of let you feel that it ain't a free ride. Okay, I guess that's a, probably a discussion for another day. But uh, uh, thanks very much for joining us, uh, uh, Paul Zimmerman, there, CEO of Designing Hong Kong. Um, thanks very much, uh, Roland Sharman, founder of uh, HK Outsider. And earlier on, we also heard from uh, Martin Williams, author of the Twenty Five Best Day Walks in Hong Kong. Um, just before we bring the program to an end, uh, a few more emails to re read out on uh, a subject that we were talking about on Monday and that is with the Climate Change Summit taking place uh, in Glasgow. Uh, global and local efforts to limit uh, emissions of greenhouse gases. Lots and lots of emails on the subject and I've been reading out uh, a few every day since uh, Monday. So, so here are a few more. Um, Alan writes... Um, uh, Hong Kong has no policies that encourage lower energy use. For example, the transport department is completely hostile to cyclists and pedestrians, spends tens of billions on infrastructure that encourage uh, motor transport, bringing more cars every year into urban areas despite the world's uh, best public transport. Builds the Zhuhai Bridge with no train line to bring dirty diesel-burning trucks. Housing, no encouragement for insulation. Many countries give tax breaks for installing insulation. Hong Kong housing is built for cheap construction. The cost in cash and carbon footprint for cooling and heating over the life of the building are irrelevant. Um, Richard writes, uh, the government's plan to have 17% renewables is laughable. 1% is not world-leading. The options here are wide. Where is the plan to install offshore wind? What about the obligation for, for buildings to have insulation? In Hong Kong, temperature control is the most significant demand for energy. There's a lot more that could be done. Government uh, can now direct change. That is the advantage of the new political system. So use it for the sake of Hong Kong's children. Um, Richard also writes uh, hydrogen is only going to help if it's made from water by hydrolysis not if it comes from fossil fuels which is what most governments think of so they can mollify their fossil fuel funders um, Peter says, uh, although the United States has rejoined the Paris Agreement, little has changed in climate policy. Actually, things have become worse. Under Joe Biden's leadership, the United States has reaffirmed the ludicrous narrative that it has the national competence and moral stature to lead the world's response to climate change. With a few words, I'd like to refute this claim. First, the doom of the climate change regime was sealed when the United States refused to ratify the Kyoto Protocol in 1998. It was double-doomed when the United States, under Barack Obama, imposed a successor regime that eliminated legally binding caps for anyone. It was triple-doomed when Donald Trump withdrew from the Paris Agreement. It was quadruple-doomed when the United States, under Joe Biden, decided to double down on Trump's China containment policies, making it his top priority and organising policy principle to treat, the, to treat China as, uh, as uh, America's uh, top adversary. In addition to combat climate change successfully, everyone seems to ignore one of the biggest white elephants in the room, the US military. The US military accounts for most of the carbon emissions produced by the USA, and the US military produces more greenhouse gas emissions than up to 140 countries. And there's a link to uh, a Newsweek item there. But the military has been delivered excluded from the IPPC climate targets that from Peter okay that's all we've got time for this morning um, thanks very much again to all of our guests and our listeners and thank you to you Anna you're very welcome and uh, a quick look at the weather um, it's going to be mainly fine with top temperature around 28 degrees moderate to easterly winds 
rather warm with one or two patches in the next couple of days. That's the outlook. Winds will strengthen from the north later on Sunday with temperatures falling appreciably, becoming cool early next week. Currently it's 25 degrees, humidity 74%. Have you signed up yet to the Centralized Organ Donation Register? I have. Remember to tell your family of your wish after registration, as the doctors will need your family's consent before they can go ahead with organ donation and encourage your family and friends to register too. Many patients are waiting for an organ transplant every day. Register now at www.codr.gov.hk. Support organ donation and share your wish with your family. The new summary with Vicky Wong. The British hosts of the climate summit in Glasgow have set out an ambitious plan to rewire the entire global financial system to achieve net zero carbon emissions by the middle of the century. The Chancellor of the Exchequer, Richie Sunak, is due to outline the plan along with hundreds of the world's biggest banks, insurers and pension funds. China's top negotiator at the COP26 climate talks has told reporters in Glasgow that five years have been wasted after the former US President Donald Trump pulled out of the Paris Accords. Xie Jinhua also criticised Western governments for failing to make good on a promise of 100 billion US dollars in climate financing by last year. However, US President Joe Biden criticised the leaders of China and Russia for not attending the summit in person. And the Dutch government has decided to reimpose measures, including the wearing of face masks aimed at slowing the spike in COVID-19 infections. Coronavirus infections have been rising for a month after most social distancing measures were scrapped in late September and reached their highest level since July in the past week. I'll have more on these stories at 10 o'clock. Stand by for the brew. Uh, sociology prof from the University of Set and Costume Designer Interpreter of Beethoven. As well, oh so shy, quiet and retiring doggy cats, co-founder of Rockefeller Records. Hello. This is a really for adults, it's not really for kids. Yeah, well, it's fun, you know. Decipher of what's happening behind the lift. Good morning. In-depth interviews and also observations. Absolutely no way. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Good morning to you. Welcome to Wednesday. It's the Morning Brew with me, Phil Whelan, and we are off to the zoo at 10.40 for some animal magic with composer and conductor Colin Touchin. So in our classical music chat today, he will tell you with some wonderful examples how the great composers have represented creatures in their music. And after that, 11.40, live from Paris. Earlier than normal, because the clocks have changed, RTL France's Philippe Davar will bring you more French music and early morning talk. 12.10, classes in session once again, as we're off to visit Chris Watts at his Motion Dynamics studio in Central. You might like this if you're a runner, because it's runner's knee. Join him on Facebook Live with your questions and stuff. And at 12.40, for one week only at this time, business futurist Maurice Misolowski is going to be with us live from Melbourne. He'll follow on from Colin's musical animals and talk about how nature's most finely tuned machines may, well, need to, evolve over the next million years or so. This is Kitty and Daisy and Lewis. Bugging Blues here on The Morning Brew. 